Hey, everybody, it's Tracy, and I am here to let you all know that me and Heaven are going to be running all around the world in the next couple of weeks. Literally, we are going to London, so we're going to be traveling internationally. We have a bunch of other live shows, and we have interviews, so many interviews. So we're super, super busy making you brand new episodes to listen to. So in the interim, we thought that you would enjoy revisiting this lovely, beautiful, wonderful interview with NPR's Audie Cornish. Um, it was a delight and she's a delight and the interview is delightful. So I hope you enjoy it. If you have ever worn lipstick as armor, then this episode is especially for you. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. I'm Heaven. I'm Tracy. And welcome to another round with Heaven and Tracy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What do we have for the people today, Tracy? Well, for the people, we have a delicious audio menu. <laughs> okay, what's on the menu? <laughs> We're going to have a What It Happened Was. Ooh, I'm going to finally yes. share the story of Cornbread, my racist goldfish. May he rest in peace. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it, but he was not actually a goldfish. Okay. But he was actually <laughs> racist. I mean, I'm hoping that he changed. Anyway, we'll get into that. We'll get into all of that. And then for the main course, if you will, we uh, have an interview, <laughs> an interview with the one and only Audie Cornish of NPR. And I got to say, I'm a little bit terrified. A lot bit. Because <laughs> she's incredible. She's like interviewed like a million people. Right. Like super important people. We're looking forward to that, but are terrified. Yes. <laughs> Let's start the show. Whoop, whoop. tell a story we haven't done what happened was in a while all right let's do some what happened was so this is the story of cornbread my racist goldfish i can still get a little choked up sometimes when i talk about cornbread okay talk to me about cornbread okay so cornbread was a beta known also as a siamese fighting fish right Mm -hmm. my mother and i used to um keep them all the time like we would get one beta it would live its little beta life it would die we would get another beta all of them were special. I don't want to sound like we were just like we're <laughs> just replacing pets <laughs> no. just to have them. We loved each and every one of these fish. Okay. So I'm in college and I wanted a pet. Mm-hmm. We go to a store. I see this beautiful beta. And if you're not familiar with betas, they're very, very pretty. They come in like all these neat little iridescent jewel tones. And they've got like these really long fins that kind of look like an evening gown, like kind of wafting in the water. It's very pretty. You guys can't see it, but she's <laughs> pretending to be a fish right now. <laughs> With her fins. (laughs) I didn't even realize it. But the males are very aggressive. They're Mm -hmm. aggressive to the point that... (laughs) Right, right, right. To the point that you can't have two males in the same bowl. And if you put a mirror up to the bowl of a male, he will puff up and try to attack his own reflection. So they pester it seriously. That's dumb. Of course I did it all the time when I was little because it's a cool trick to show (laughs) your friends. But you really shouldn't do that. It stresses it out. Probably kills them in the end maybe if you do it too much. From stress? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Or like just them like ramming into the... They're Uh, very aggressive fish. mm, They try to kill things all the time. So I settled on this fish. And I was just like, this guy, his name is Cornbread. Don't know why. I just knew that his name was Cornbread. So I take Cornbread back to my dorm room. 
I was living at the time. I can't remember what year this was, but my roommate was definitely black. And all like four of my friends on campus <laughs> were also black. So like they would come over, you know. I mean, I had white friends too. I don't want to sound like I just didn't have any any white friends. But whenever my white friends were over and they were like, you know, looking in the bowl and blah, blah, blah. He was cool. He was chilling. He was pretty docile, whatever. But when I got next to the bowl or when any other black person got next to the bowl, he would flip out. He would puff up his gills and he like starts like going at the side of the bowl. And like when I would feed him once, <laughs> I put some some of his food in the bowl. And like I let my finger linger, <laughs> finger linger. <laughs> I let my finger like kind of like hover above the water to see if he would ignore the food that mm-hmm. he needs to eat to try and kill my finger. <laughs> he went straight for my finger. <laughs> Straight for the finger. And I'm like, dude, do you not understand that I f- you need me? I feed you. I change your water. I love you. Like, I talk to you all the time. And he just treated me like, like shit on so the bottom of So did you do some, like, control fin. testing with, like, black friends, white friends? You know, I, I didn't do any official control <laughs> testing. But I did. I made mental notes all mm. the time. All the time. You know, I mean, it was a very strained relationship. But, you know, I just always... I dream of the day that he would come around, you know, like, listen, man, this isn't this in the 1950s anymore. You don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to do this. Cornbread, this is 2000, like, I don't know, three, probably 2002, 2003. It's a new day. It's a new era. I need you to come around to the right <laughs> side of history. Racist you don't have to do this anymore. And so, like, I would, I think there's a picture of this somewhere, but I would write little, like, inspirational quotes on index cards and, like, put it next to this bowl, like, before I left to go to class. Baby Tracy. (laughs) I really wanted him to love me. I just (laughs) wanted him to love me. I think once there was a Martin Luther King quote, but the quote that sticks out to me the most, there's a song by Gil Scott Heron called The Klan, which is a really, really good song. There's a line in it that says, he who rides with the Klan is a devil and not a man. So I wrote that on a little index card and I put it next to him. I thought it would help. I thought it would help. It's so intense. <laughs> I mean, it took a lot. Martin Luther King didn't help. I was like, okay, we got to pull out the big guns now, I guess. We're just going to get right to it. gave up on loving cornbread or trying to get cornbread to to not be awful to me Mm -hmm. pretty sure he hated me up until the day that he died and here's how he died so (laughs) it was like a long weekend or something and my mom came to campus to get me Mm. and it was chilly outside and I had the I had cornbread's bowl sitting on a windowsill and the window was cracked now I maintain that my mother forgot to either close the window or move the bowl she says it was me I would never treat cornbread that way. So obviously my mom killed my fish. I know you're listening. And I know you're going to have something to say about this mom. But we all know the truth. So I get back to campus. Cornbread's dead, belly up, frozen to death. I was very upset. I was very, very upset. And I was like, man, I feel like he was just starting to come around. I thought he was going to change his life. But, you know, he just mowed down in his prime. And it was so sad. So... I demanded that we have an official funeral for Cornbread. Oh, my God. We you must um, have been the most annoying child. I was. I was particularly <laughs> awful in college. <laughs> I really was. So we took the bowl to the um, to the girls' bathroom. We were in a stall, me and my oh my mom. Gosh. And um, I was, was not going to let her funeral? leave campus until we did this. 
I sang Soon Will Be Done with the Troubles of the World by Mahalia Jackson, which I believe was sang at Martin Luther King's funeral. Wow. I wanted Tracy. to find something very meaningful. You were like, let me recreate Martin <laughs> Luther King's funeral for cornbread, my not I goldfish. Just, I just wanted the last, like... The the last symphony of voices that he heard to be singing something <laughs> meaningful to usher him hopefully into oh the God. into little fishy heaven. Like I mean, if heaven has a pet store, <laughs> I know that cornbread is up there right next to some blackfish probably, and he's okay. I think he's all right. That was incredible. <sighs> I'm gonna need a moment. Do you want to hear the really quick story of the one time we had a goldfish? Yes, please. <laughs> So, you know, when you're in elementary school and they give you prizes for dumb shit. <laughs> yeah. But you're like so hyped because you're like, oh, my God, I got a prize. <laughs> my sister, like the top prize for something. I don't even remember. She got a goldfish. Uh-huh. She brought it home and it came with one thing of uh, fish food, fish, fish flakes. flakes. <laughs> <laughs> we're, like, we're like, oh, my God, we have a pet. They never let us have a pet. You know, it's a goldfish. But <laughs> we're so hyped. We're it's so hyped. And, like, we put it in this, like, place in our apartment. And, like, every morning we'd be like, oh, do you want to feed it? I want to feed it. You know, Uh, we're so high. And then one day, uh, like, we were starting to get low on (laughs) goldfish food. Oh, no. And we're like, hey, Dad, (laughs) need more goldfish food. (laughs) And we, like, let him know for, like, a week. (laughs) Right. We're like, hey, we're really running out (laughs) the final day. (laughs) So then we get home. And in the bowl is just like little chunks of bread. (laughs) We're like, did you feed our goldfish chunks of bread? And then, of course, the goldfish is dead. (laughs) I was so upset. You had one job. (laughs) It was so upsetting. Oh, no. Keep motherfucking bread. <laughs> That's also like the most Ethiopian shit ever. He's like, yeah, just give him some bread. <laughs> oh my god, my stomach hurts so bad. So that's the quick story of my one time oh goldfish. It had a name, I'm sure. <laughs> you don't even remember the it name. It was a while ago. Would you like to name it posthumously? No. All right. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to my dead goldfish. Oh, rest in peace, dead goldfish. Rest in peace, cornbread. Y'all got a, a twofer for the what it happened was today. A twofer. A twofer. <laughs> it's another one of those words. What a doozy. <laughs> so we are unbelievably excited, thrilled, nervous. <laughs> Very nervous. <laughs> to have and nervous. Audie Cornish, host of NPR's All Things Considered on the show today. Hello. Ah. Um, she's covered everything from elections, natural disasters, interviewed world leaders, artists. I mean, just everyone. So... We are thrilled to be doing an interview with someone who's interviewed millions of people. <laughs> and we're also very nervous to do an interview with somebody who literally does this like perfectly for a living and yes. has for a reason. I felt the same way about you two, though. Oh my what? gosh, that's ridiculous. Your interview style <laughs> is so fun and casual. And I was like, 
I've been listening to it, actually, for myself, just because I'm always listening to interviewers trying to figure out how they do what they do and dissect it. And you two are very good. So, oh yeah, gosh. I'm nervous. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so it makes me feel better that we're all nervous. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was told there would be drinks. I don't uh, know what's going on. Had you on. been in this studio, <laughs> Listen, absolutely. I was like, is she going to be drinking on liquor. the other end? <laughs> next time. Um, next, next time. time. We're absolutely. recording uh, in New York and Adi is in NPR headquarters in Washington, D.C. Where there are no drinks to be found, <laughs> yeah. let me tell you. Yeah. Even but next on the time days you're in the studio. Need it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we are thrilled that you are here. Welcome and thank you. Um, and we're going to start off with our typical question. What do you do and why? I am, uh, I consider myself a reporter, even though I've been a host uh, of a show for the last couple of years. And I've almost always been in public radio. And I guess I do it because I love the sound of people's voices, like for real, all the time. And I think <laughs> even when I was a print reporter, I would come back from a story and think, oh, that person, they just had a lovely accent or way of speaking. And I really wish I could hear it. And uh, I still feel pretty strongly about that. Mm, I love that. That was a great answer. So speaking of voices, we asked Twitter if anybody had any questions for you. And I think one of the first questions that we got is, how did you get such a great voice? Now, I do this unconscious thing where when I'm talking to somebody who speaks very, like, proper and, like, and, and legibly, I guess. <laughs> right. Like, I can feel like I try to, like, dampen my own accent and, like, try to, like, put on my professional voice, which I think I'm doing now. I'm trying not to. It's easier for me not to when I have liquor. Don't have liquor now. <laughs> I do apologize. But, um, I mean, I don't know how this works. Like, are there classes that you take to get, like, the non-regional diction thing down? Have you ever had an accent? Yeah, yeah. That's a good question. And people have been asking it a lot. Uh, I know you guys had Gene Denby on from NPR's Code Switch team to talk about the hashtag pub radio voices and um, what people were saying about kind of the you know, unbearable whiteness of public radio, which I, you know, I, I think I, I really understand where people are coming from with that. For me, I will say that my family, um, they're all Jamaican, but I grew up in Massachusetts and I just ended up with no accent. <laughs> and at that sucks, right? Because for both of those communities, accents are a big deal. Jamaicans really love their accents, as they should, because they're beautiful, <laughs> they're whether gorgeous. it's Patois or the broadcasters. I mean, it's really gorgeous uh, Caribbean accents. And in Massachusetts, you know, badge of honor, you know, like having, <laughs> being able to, it's like a part of being, you know, uh, from that place. And I, I didn't have it. So, it's very interesting to basically spend my entire childhood as an outsider because of my voice, finally get this job where I'm, like, paid to have this voice, <laughs> and then have all these people be like, but that's not good enough. You know, like, that your authentic self? And it's like, mm. what do you want from me? You know, I don't know. So that I don't know if that answers that question. There's no classes. There's no nothing. This is just my voice. And, you know, I'm, I like it. <laughs> As voice. <laughs> the way people feel about what it means to be black, what it means to be professional, like all of these stereotypes. Like I feel bad for people because I want to say, you don't know, but this is telling me more about you yes. than it is about me. <laughs> like your ideas about who I am and what I sound like and what I should sound like. Mm. Um, I didn't mean to go off on a tear there, but I haven't no. really talked about that uh, publicly. And I think that I've been meaning to say that somewhere 
please go off on any tears that yes. you would like to. <laughs> go we will literally follow you anywhere. <laughs> so we've heard many tall tales about how people, when they meet you, they're always surprised that you're black and they expect you to be white. Yes, black and white. People of all races, all ages. Who seems the most surprised? Or is everybody just always freaking out whenever you show up? <laughs> First of all, in public radio, there's a certain amount of disappointment you have to bear regardless when people meet you. <laughs> they meet you and you can just see the light dim in their eyes. And they're like, you're not what I thought. First, you're thinking like, first of all, what were you thinking? Like, it's the news. Um, but second of all, you know, what exactly did you imagine? So you're not what they imagined. And so that's okay. I think black people are more like happy to explain their surprise. Mm -hmm. You know, I think for white people, there's like a certain amount of like a politeness about, well, I don't want to say what I thought a black person could <laughs> sound like. That could get awkward. Quickly. Right. Right. Um, so that doesn't happen. But yeah, black people are definitely happy to be like, what? You know, like, I didn't know <laughs> she that. One of us. Or she else I'd be us. listening. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, what? You can still listen, but I appreciate it. And I don't mind that because, again, I think one of the things I've loved about the rise of like the black nerd, uh, where it's like, it's our time, uh, is that there's not all that, like we don't have to deal with all this policing of blackness you know it's like you can be yourself mm -hmm. and that's okay and I feel like collectively we're not so fearful of who we are um, wherever you are on the I don't know what this would be the Dolezal spectrum of blackness <laughs> like I don't know how it's measured these days yes it's <laughs> <laughs> beautiful so you've done maybe a million interviews, I'm approximating. <laughs> Give or take two. <laughs> Give or, or take. I was listening to an interview where you were saying, like, still, every, like, 10 minutes before an interview, you get nervous. And 10 minutes after, you're like, I failed. <laughs> yeah. Does that ever go away? <laughs> please say yes. Please say please yes. Say no, yes. no, no, uh, no, it doesn't. And you should, <laughs> no, you should hope it does not, right? Because meeting people is scary. You know, that's why we get into an elevator and we, like, move to corners, right? Like, <laughs> I feel like we're naturally inclined to be like, not today, my friend. Yeah, I aggressively um, press door close. <laughs> right, because right, you're like, when is this done? When is this done? And naturally, I don't, I'm nervous and I'm, you know, I was not popular in high school. Do you know what I mean? I, I just was not a person who was naturally inclined to have conversation with strangers. It's being a reporter that's turned me into that. Mm. And uh, it does feel sometimes like there's a Clark Kent effect where I, things I would not do in my regular life, I will do because I'm reporting and and interviewing someone. So it doesn't go away. I hope it doesn't go away because the day that I'm like, bored, uninterested, and not worried about talking to someone, mm. well, then I'm not curious anymore. And what's the point of that? And I, I don't know about you, but part of this job is just figuring out how to channel that energy, you know? Mm. Um, I think Bobby McFerrin said something like, uh, it doesn't matter if you have butterflies if they're all going in the same direction. Oh, wow. Um, You're also the first don't person quote me on that. to It quote seems like Bobby something McFerrin. he would say, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yes, I'm thrilled. I love Bobby McFerrin. Shout out to Bobby I, well, McFerrin. He, yeah, he's amazing. And he does these, like, he is an amazing teacher anyway. So I have taken that to heart very much. I feel like, yes. Butterflies, let's get in line. <laughs> let's, let's do this. I guess in a field where there aren't that many people that look like you, 
Were you able to find mentors? Hmm. Well, first of all, that is a good question that you should also ask, like, just about any black professional that mm. you meet, I think. I mean, yeah, that is the reality. everywhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's the reality of being a person of color and kind of uh, upward mobility and where we are as a community, that there are lots of firsts, right? And there's lots of uh, seconds and thirds. Uh, and people who had to create mentors maybe where it didn't seem like there naturally would be. Mm. I will say that I am very aggressive and believe very deeply in mentorship. So when I was an intern, there were a couple of people that I came to at NPR and went to their office and just, you know, was like, knock, knock, knock. Hi, it's me. I want to learn what you do. Let's talk about that. And like, if you do that to five people, one or two of them will help you, either because they have, like, egos or because they actually <laughs> want to help you, you know? And I think that's something that's really hard to to kind of make that conceptual leap if you are, uh, if you didn't grow up in that world, which I did not, mm. um, to, to be like, yeah, someone should answer my questions. Yes, somebody should help me because I am here, you know? Right. And that's something that like entitled young people Whoop. take for granted, Hello. you know? <laughs> like <laughs> they assume... This is why I'm here, so that people can help me get to the next level. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when you're a working class kid, you don't feel that way. You're like, I just don't want to mess up. Mm, right. I definitely found people who mentored me. And one thing about NPR in particular, there's so many outstanding women here. You know, Michelle Martin and Michelle Norris and, you know, Nina Totenberg. Like, this yes. woman is kick ass. Like, off air, you know, she's the kind of person who pulls you aside and says, listen, you you need to do this, this and that. Like, don't let them push you around. I mean, she's just great. And Cokie Roberts and, you know, definitely men, Steve Inskeep. Like, there are people who said who were happy to talk to me about craft. And I've always been really grateful but I'm going to take credit for myself mm, <laughs> yes, saying that yes, like, I wasn't afraid to do it. Yeah. And I think that's something that like it, it's really hard to get over. Mm. I just love hearing women do that. That just made me so happy. <laughs> um, so I have a question about the planning of your show and the people that you tend to profile. Um, we noticed that there were some um, interviews that you did with black artists like Kara oh, Walker. You? And we've noticed, you know, a little bird came in. Was I like, thought hey. I had snuck those in. <laughs> no, no, we saw those in Kehinde Wiley. So how involved are you with like the actual planning of your show? How many of the um guests that you entertain and interview are um, people that you specifically wanted to talk to like I'm always interested to see like how things work on other shows yes yeah <laughs> yeah no I was reading about your your meeting and you guys talking about like how you put it together and I felt the same way um, you know for us we have the news right so sometimes you just get there and you're like Iran deal discuss you know right. like let's try and find five angles on this 50 people haven't done already I think some of the interviews you guys are pointing to particularly with artists they are things that I chose myself, mm. maybe because I knew about those people already, maybe because I've read about them, maybe because they're just due. In the case of, say, Kehinde Wiley and Kara Walker, these are two well-known, well-regarded artists mm. who are, like, pretty close to retrospective mode. 
Do you know what right. I mean? Like, <laughs> we're, they're already at the point where people are like, let's look back on the greatness. Like, the mm, fact that right. they hadn't been interviewed before by us yeah. was weird and an oversight. One fun thing about this job, you asked me earlier of, like, kind of when I felt I came into my own, it was like making selections like that. Like, my ability to get something like that to air, mm. to get through the whole interview without saying, an African-American artist, you know what I mean? Right. Like, right. do a right. whole interview with a black person without saying they're black, you know, because does it matter? Like, when it matters, we'll talk about it. But when it doesn't matter, why do you expect me to say it? In a way, you kind of seize your humanity, right, by saying, like, we're not other Right. We're here. <laughs> right. Like, we're in the midst of this world like anyone else, and we're going to be talked about like anyone else. Those interviews in particular, that's kind of what's in my head when I'm doing it. I was going through some of your tweets, <laughs> and you were... Oh, no. I'm the worst. Oh, no. <laughs> well, you I'm don't tweet that much. I'm so... Twitter person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you were talking a little bit about um, your frustration with hate mail from listeners when you, whenever you have uh, rapper R&B on your show. That's an NPR thing. I mean, I don't know if you heard recently, people were getting all fired up that Kim Kardashian on the show was on the show. Uh, She was on, actually, I'm sorry, Kim Kardashian was on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Like, which is a very fun show. Yeah, it's a fun show with silly people, right? Like, in the listing of people, Kim Kardashian's not that much of a stretch. She's probably the hottest, but, you know, it's radio. The bar's low. Um, (laughs) But I think that for a long time, for the people who grew up with public radio, uh, and by that I mean the people who we, who traditionally, when people make jokes about public radio, right, the kind of delicious dish joke version <laughs> of like Volvo driving, quiet speaking people in sweaters, you know, with straight edges. I think there is a group of people who feel like, hey, this thing is for us and we're here because we fled pop culture. You know, like we're here because we're kind of overwhelmed mm. and we want to break. And I think in some ways that's fair, you know, like. Is there no place where we're not safe from a Kardashian? I mean, if we're being honest, like, there <laughs> is a legitimate question, right? That's a legitimate question, journalistic question we should ask. But should you flip out because they show up? Probably not. You know, it's just not that deep. And I think um, this is the same group of people who struggle with hip hop as an art form. And I think, again, this gets back to my kind of greater inner. Uh, sort of thesis about what I do, which is that I'm not going to pretend hip hop is an other music and that it is like fringe or cutting edge. Like this music's been around for a long time. We're getting pretty clear, like near oldies right, level right. now. Like right? Generations. You know? <laughs> yeah. I remember once being at some kind of event where people were like, it's throwback time, 90s. And I was like, but this song just came out in my mind, you know? Like, it's like two years I was ago. Not fe- yeah, I was not feeling ready to be, like, adult contemporary, basically. <laughs> this is the music of my youth. So, again, like, we bring those artists on, and I still do err on the side of trying to bring an artist who has something to say, who has something interesting to say who tell their story well, you know, that's a bias I have. You know, as much as I might like a a certain kind of hip-hop song, which is like the same couple of words said a thousand times, (laughs) that's not a good conversation. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, so, Versace. You know, like, what else do you do after that? You haven't interviewed Migos yet? (laughs) Yeah, so it's, it's not like people don't, you know, everyone has a story. 
But I'm looking for people who have a, a good and interesting story to tell, often in five minutes or less, which is awful to say, but it's the truth. Uh, this is a fantastic interview. We have a thousand questions that we did not get to, but we do want to steer towards our fun rapid fire question portion of the show. No, rapid as, fire. I yes. am public radio. I don't really know I can handle well, it. <laughs> we say rapid fire, but it's really just an excuse to get us to ask you weird questions about various <laughs> oh, okay. things. They're not very fast at all. <laughs> so. Um, people get very upset with us when we don't ask this of each and every one of our guests. So we are going to ask you, what are your thoughts on squirrels? Oh, I forgot about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, thoughts in general? Okay. Uh, my dad used to say like squirrel. Like he had a weird way of pronouncing it. Can you, and now can whenever you do that I, once more? <laughs> it was squirrel. <laughs> I don't know how it I'm not sure. He just, he did something with the U and the I. And uh, and now whenever I see it, it's like, um, it's like a script uh, traffic cone. You know, like I see it on the paper and in my mind, I'm like, squirrel, 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 squirrel. Okay, got through it. Squirrel. <laughs> so I'm glad it's not a word I have to say very often. <laughs> Until now, apparently. Until um, now. But I mean, like, do you, do you trust squirrels? Do you <laughs> like them? Do you... <laughs> Dislike. How do you feel about Is there them like a personally? squirrel uprising I should know about? <laughs> well, Is this apparently, like Planet of the been, Apes. Like, <laughs> there has been an epidemic lately of drunk squirrels just like fucking everything up. The Is that not a New York thing? I feel like everything's well, a little bit janky there. <laughs> <laughs> like, even the squirrels would be like you know, you know a bit much. I'm of the opinion that squirrels are terrible wherever you are. Anyway, we're spending too much time on squirrels. Um, what, Is there such thing? I, as I was, Absolutely. <laughs> as I was reading through your tweets, I saw a lot of uh, empire tweets. Yes. <laughs> so I have a question. Do you okay. actually like the music on Empire? How do you feel about the music? I love it. I think it's a kind of performance art. And uh, Timberland is actually my obsession. This is my next interview I really want to get, Ooh. if you're listening. Uh, because I have... Bear with me. I know it's a lightning round, but very quickly. I feel like <laughs> Empire and the show Nashville are mirror images of each other. And uh, the music of Nashville, they like went to writers and tried to make it very authentic, blah, blah, blah. And Empire does the same thing. You know, music that is sort of bad is authentically bad. <laughs> music that is supposed to like hearken to a certain era does that. Um, and yeah, I'll admit the first time I heard drip drop, I was like, for real though, for real drip. though, you know, like I drip. wanted to turn off drip, my TV drip, and back drop. away from it. It's such a bad thing. can't like, get it out of your head. <laughs> I can't get it out of my head. She make that thing go. Drip, drop, drip, 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 drop, drip, drop. I do my dance drip, drop, drip, 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 drop. I find myself being like, yeah, you know, like drip drop, you know, like trying to explain it to my husband. And he's like, let's let's never speak of this again. And then when I hear Estelle, you know, Conqueror, which is a real song, you know, and is like done well, I think it's great. You know, so uh, I think that I don't ironically love the music on Empire. I legitimately love it, whether it's good or not. Does that work? <laughs> That's a great answer. <laughs> what a beautiful thesis. <laughs>
I sort of lump Empire and Scandal together, kind of, sort of. Yes, operatic. They're operas. Yes, yes. Not soap operas, proper operas in my mind. (laughs) (laughs) You still watch the show, correct? I'm a diehard Scandal. I mean, no matter how bad it gets, now that it gets bad, oh my God, Shonda Rhimes, I hope you can't hear me. I love you. I will still watch the hell out of that show. So you are the perfect person to ask this question to. What would have to happen on Scandal for you to stop watching it? Both me and Tracy stopped watching this season. This last season. (laughs) I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore, y'all. I I love you, Shonda. I totally get it. I totally get it. I have a deep commitment to Shonda Rhimes that she doesn't know about. You know, it's not a two-way thing, but I'm deeply committed to her. (laughs) I have been tested with the exit of Jake. Mm. Spoiler. I don't know if he's really exited or not. I'm a huge fan of Scott Foley, and I thought he brought some good heat and indecision to the show. Mm. Heat, yes. Uh, Heat, yeah. Um, (laughs) So I don't know. Maybe we're there yet. But to me, as long as... You know, Kerry Washington is delivering those Shonda speeches. Like, <laughs> yes. I'll go with it. Yes. I'll go with it. I mean, I came back around to Grey's Anatomy. Oh, like, yeah. I'm still watching Grey's. That's another one that <laughs> I gave up its on moments. early. It does. It has its moments. It's Grey's like ER. People forget on. ER was bad for a while and then came back around and everyone was like, oh, yeah, ER, great. No, no, no. <laughs> it had some rough times. And I feel like, you know, Shonda shows sometimes, like, she has to launch other things. And sometimes in her absence, <laughs> you know, some there can be some dark moments. <laughs> yes. So what if in the next episode of Scandal, right, Olivia gets kidnapped by, like, some, <laughs> Jesus. some radioactive... Uh, squirrels? Dolphins or squirrels <laughs> with like lasers attached to like their heads and they're like, oh, now we're going to sell you to the Russians. And the Russians are like, okay, yeah, oh my God, then we're going to like, I mean, so once once the radioactive dolphins I mean, that practically was the last season, so this is not such a stretch. This is not true, a stretch at all. True. Had there been dolphins <laughs> in like episodes two or three, we'd be there right now. Yeah, I'm in the squad. I watched Private Practice unironically yes. oh my God, to the same. very end. Yes! Very end. Oh my God, you're the only person I can share that with. <laughs> <laughs> because for me, there's so much great, amazing television, but I like seeing myself reflected in the story sometimes. It's not a requirement for me to enjoy TV. But it's kind of nice, yes. you know, like this is what it looks like when you have to power through a meeting yeah. and tell people what's up and uh, and you're not a bitch. You know what I mean? You're not right. like an angry Negro woman. Ooh. You were just another amazing character in the tableau of amazing characters. And she's going to give me that. And so I'm always going to reward her with my little Nielsen rating if I can. <laughs> yes. Oh, praise Shonda. Praise Shonda. That was beautiful. Um, what so is, two more questions I yes. think we'll do. So Jean Demby tells us that you are a very stylish uh Style icon, <laughs> very for radio. Dresser. Just whatever anyone tells you, just but for radio. But it's like you're it. on radio. Why? Why do you still get so fly? Yeah, I believe. I believe oh, yeah. his exact his exact phrasing during a, a G chat conversation <laughs> is, um, "Why the fuck you get so fly to go on the radio? On the radio in caps, <laughs> all caps, <laughs> <laughs> emphasis jeans." And we we've, we've seen pictures, and you are always fresh to death. I have to say, always just like tailored. Well, and just... I did go full winged liner for you too. Ooh, 
yes. I can't see it, but I can feel it. Yes. <laughs> you guys do the, the lovely dark lip, and I, you know, I want to get there. I haven't graduated to that uh, point. We can help you, girl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Another round makeup edition. <laughs> I'm with it. I do it because I am nervous, and I feel like your costume is uh, is your armor. Mm. You know, I know that there are some women who they're not big on makeup or wearing heels or things like that. And they have very good and amazing and many times feminist rooted reasons for believing that. Uh, For me, I take all that stuff and I arm myself with it. You know, it might as well be a shield. And there are some days where I I want people to be intimidated. So I'm like, yes, this is red lipstick. (laughs) It is lined. It is pristine. Tell Taylor, I did it. It You're (laughs) going to do this now. Mm. And same thing with dressing. There's times when I like if I meet a band, you know, I don't want to be dressed like I'm going to meet a congressman. And when I go out in the field for especially disaster reporting and reporting like I went to Charleston after the shooting, um, I dress very very plainly. You know, I don't even wear my eyeglasses, of which I have like 10 pairs, because I don't want to be judged in that moment. And when you meet people and talk to people, they judge you. They can't help it. They look at you, take you in and go, oh, you're this person. And so then I wear a kind of plain costume so that I can deflect some of that. So for the radio, it just makes me feel good. And it it gets me in in a place, you know, where I can do the performance part of it. And in real life, it's about meeting people where they are. Whew, that was beautiful. That was a work of art. Tell Gene <laughs> with his all caps. Like, <laughs> right. I have thoughts. <laughs> this is not random. Last question. What is the wildest workplace microaggression you've experienced in your oh entire God. career? Right. <laughs> in my entire career? Mm-hmm. At any job. You know, it's fun. I know, but microaggressions, it's a very millennial thing. Like, I feel like this was just called life before. You know, <laughs> just like Negro life. And like, you guys like identified it, you named it and shamed it, mm. tumbled it, and now it's like a thing. And so, named like, it and I, shamed it and tumbled it. I gotta it. I figure it. out now where was that a microaggression or was that Tuesday? Mm. Um, <laughs> not entirely. Uh, I mean, it's sure. both. It's definitely both. <laughs> it's microaggression Tuesday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to be obnoxious and say I can't remember. Okay. That's okay. That's, That's allowed. I would say that I would not have gotten to this point in my career if I took those on board and held on to them. Mm. It's just impossible. I, I ran a gauntlet of people who underestimated me, right? Every story subject is like, are you the intern? Every lawmaker is like, I I don't understand who you are. You know, people don't see me. And so when they finally meet me, they're not sure what to think. There's been lots of stuff like that. And I think the only way you can get through this job or any other job where people will underestimate you on arrival is to just not onboard it, if that makes sense, right? Like, I can't collect it. And so... Maybe it means I've been successful because I can't remember any. Uh, ah! Yes! Oh my God! Woo! Is that good? Somebody that pass helpful? around a collection plate. A half a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Heaven was silently waving her hand in the air. 
But keep doing it, millennials. Keep keep tumbling it and everything. Because yes. for my age group, you know, I'd be in that like poli sci one hundred and one class, like telling some other student, like this happened and that happened, and you don't see it, mm-hmm. and they'd just be like, I don't know, I don't see race, and like. <laughs> We had to just keep that to ourselves and go right. back to the, like, Negro dorm. And, mm. like, you guys get to be like, well, that's stupid and you're dumb. <laughs> you know, like, you get to, like, have these conversations out and people write think pieces and everyone's like, call Tadahasi. You know, like, right. it becomes a thing. It becomes a thing. And I admire the the, the discussion that can happen in its place. Heaven, oh, you don't know how good you have it. It's like a bat signal. It's like, mm-hmm. put it up there. Where is that, brother? <laughs> no, I love that book. I love that book. Oh, my Thank gosh. You us with your yes, please. You, you are guys welcome. are so much fun. You're Aww. doing so well. You're doing so well. And I just want to say to all the people listening who are, like, into podcasting that I'm glad. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> all of your challenging questions, all of your why is it this way, why is it that way, like, bring it on. We want more and more people listening and um, it's just been a pleasure hearing folks like yourself, like you people like you, especially Aww. you, Tracy, because I know you were like, I don't know about this, <laughs> like this world. <laughs> you were very dubious. So to hear you embrace it, it is like Aww. it's been fantastic. So thank oh you gosh. for having me. I will cry. I will cry into this oh. microphone right now. Um, <laughs> we have one last request. Yes. Yay. Can you say... This is another round, and I'm Audie Cornish. In your radio voice. In your radio voice. <laughs> in my radio voice. <laughs> in your voice. <laughs> Here we go. For another round, I'm Audie Cornish. Ah! Ah! That was incredible! <laughs> <laughs> thank uh, you so thank much. Thank you so much. Kevin, what's up? Who are you buying a round for this week? I want to buy a round for disposable cameras. <laughs> hmm. So I was moving and I found uh, three old disposable cameras. And I was like, oh my God, what is on here? And I remembered like three summers ago, I was living with my best friend and we gave each other cameras and we just like, we had phones then. <laughs> but <laughs> we're just like, let's just play with this, you know? Uh-huh. And I was like, oh my God, what if it's from that summer? <gasps> I was so hype. And then I was like, okay, let me try to find a CVS that's still <laughs> Like, does this? And it was a journey. It was a journey. They had to, like, they, like, don't even do it in the store anymore. They, like, export it out. Wow. So she was like, you want to develop photos? <laughs> I was like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> um, and then I developed them, and they were so good. Oh, they were so good. This. It was from that summer. It was just like a bunch of like silly, very unposed for mm-hmm. like snapshots of what we did that summer. Oh. And I know it's dumb because it's like, I mean, I could develop the photos on like my camera roll. Like they had this thing in the CVS where you could like connect your phone and just print some photos. I was like, okay, y'all trying to keep up, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's just something so nice about the like not knowing what the picture looks like. Right. That produces like a like a really intimate photo. And one of the photos in there was a summer fling I had that I forgot about. (laughs) And 
it, we were at a party and I met this random person. We were talking for a while. <laughs> and this I was just like, yeah, I'm feeling fun. Let me take some <laughs> pictures of you. Who are you? <laughs> and it was just so weird because I like I had kind of forgot what he looked like. Mm-hmm. And then I found this disposable camera and I had like two pictures of him now. Whereas I would never have had those pictures like Aww. if it wasn't for this. Because he like he, he was visiting from the UK. Mm-hmm. He was like in New York for like three days. Mm-hmm. It's like this very like rom-com serendipitous thing. The reason he came was because his grandma died and she gave oh. him a bunch of money and was like, go visit this one place in Little, in little Italy. <laughs> and we had a little fling. Ooh. I took some pictures of him <laughs> and he was like, do you want to come with me to the place my grandma wants me to go? I was like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. But it was just so nice to have like a memorialization of that one you brief thing. You didn't go, thing. that was, would have been so that was, that was like, that sounds like a private thing. <laughs> I don't know if you want me there. <laughs> we just met. Anyways, take Aww. pictures of your summer flings with disposable cameras. Who are you buying a round for this week, Tracy? I am buying a very non-alcoholic round for somebody who is not yet old enough to drink. Miss Amanda Stenberg, who has been just flexing on everybody via Twitter, via YouTube. Who is she, Tracy? What if people don't know who she is? Well, Amanda Stenberg is an American actress known for her role as Rue in The Hunger Games. Yes. And she is like, what, 16, 17? Yeah. She like literally just went to prom with Jaden Smith. Oh, my God. Those pictures were Those incredible. pictures were amazing. <laughs> um, but she's very vocal and outspoken and just like so woke for a celebrity one and for like somebody her age for two. So right. she's made a video talking about and explaining in a very patient and informative way. <laughs> um, in a manner that like only like the youth have the energy to do. Because <laughs> I definitely can't. Um, talking about um, cultural appropriation and how it's really fucked up that like when like white girls discover cornrows, for example, right. then it's like a thing, you know, but like black women who wear cornrows are often vilified. Mm. So there was a video and that she's just been very vocal and outspoken. A while ago, there was this whole quote unquote feud thing between um, her and Kylie Jenner. Because Kylie tweeted... I mean, feud is... Uh, well, nobody could see my air quotes. Right. There were air quotes. <laughs> Not an actual feud. Kylie Jenner it's posted... More of a clapback. <laughs> it was definitely a clapback. Less feud, more one way. What? Right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Kylie Jenner mm-hmm. posted a picture of herself on Instagram with cornrows, right? And Amanda just like very calmly rolled through. And she <laughs> was just like, you know what? It's cultural appropriation. It's, it would be really cool if, you know, you gave back to the community that you're taking from. Blah, 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 blah. Everybody on the internet was like, all the black women on the internet and like the woke white folks were like, <laughs> yes, tell it. Because it's so refreshing to see somebody so young yeah, and brown and female not only like use her voice the way that she does, but to use it for like some actual like good shit. Right. You know, it's amazing she to was watch. like, don't call me like an angry black woman. I'm like right? just saying my opinion. Like, she was this like, is I dumb. have strong opinions. I'm <laughs> yeah. not angry. Yes. And I also really love the way that um, black women on the internet rallied around her when freaking um, Andy Cohen from Bravo. Oh, God. This fucker. <sighs> he thought it would be cute to call her a Jack Cole because of the comments that she made, completely not acknowledging that the comments that she made were pretty freaking valid. He called her a Jack Hole? A Jack Cole. So he what has this. <laughs> listen, he has this. Is that segment. like a regular segment of his? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Does he like ever a put Jack himself there? Mm. <laughs> he should. He tried to actually touch Nicki Minaj's butt. Right, on air in front of everybody, in front of cameras. He has no cooth. He's so this is the kind of person he is, yes. 
he wanted her for what she did and like the internet really rallied around her they mm. had a hashtag that was like boycott bravo or whatever and first Andy was like I wasn't calling her a jackhole I just don't like online feuds quote unquote and then later he definitely did apologize that's that clap back that's for that you that's that clap back for you <laughs> protect a manless Stenberg at all costs yes protect this baby so I mean it, it's hard for her not to like be woke because like from the very beginning when she stepped on the stage Mm -hmm. people were upset because she was like a brown character and they were like we didn't know Rue was brown right I never imagined her to be brown that's your punk ass racist (laughs) ass problem that's not hers like she's very clearly described as brown in the Hunger Games book so you made the conscious choice to just like X any and all brown people from this story is that true she was brown in the book yes she's described as like having like so you're upset someone casted something properly yes <laughs> how about interesting. that interesting how about i'm stroking that? my imaginary beard <laughs> <laughs> literally she did so that's who mariana's for amanla we have a seat for you in the stude if oh, you would like always, to come please. and just just we will just give you all three of these microphones and just let <laughs> yes. you go off for as long as you need to. So hopefully you'll you'll come in and see us and say hey. And in the meantime, enjoy the shot of Kool Aid because you're sixteen. She can't have like a real shot. Enjoy mango juice <laughs> or mango juice. Yay! Credits. Credits. This brings us to the end of our show. We are so grateful for Audie Cornish to bless us. I can't believe. With her words and wisdom. Uh, it was so good. Like literally everything she said. was like, right. please yes, write this yes, into. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Like a treatise. Yes. Thank you so much for just changing our lives. As usual, we want to give a shout out to the Pod Squad. Pod Squad. <laughs> this is why I don't make the sound effects. <laughs> I was so sad. I was kind of sad a little bit. Sounds like a turtle was dying in my throat. <laughs> Anyways, shout out to our fearless and flawless producers. Jenna Weiss-Berman, Eleanor Kagan, and Julia Furlon. Thank you for making the show what it is. We are nothing without you. Thank you to our amazing musicians who created custom music for the show. That is Jean Grey, who Audie said earlier, I don't think we got it on tape, but she loves Jean Grey. Oh, yeah. love to do a thing with you. So yes. Thank you to Jean Grey. You can follow her at... Gene Greasy on Twitter. Also, thank you to Don Will of the Almighty Tanya Morgan. You can follow him at D O N W I L L. Fantastic music both ways. Thank you to Paul Ruest, who is back and he's clucking like a chicken. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know why that's happening, but thank you for doing it. Thank you to heaven. Shout out to you, Tracy. Yay. We I did love it. how every interview we're like, we can't do it. <laughs> we had a meltdown earlier. We're like, yeah. so nervous. I can't talk to Audi. I can't talk to her in her face again. And then every time we finish, we're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. We kicked all the ass. Oh, shout out to us for being great. Yeah. So speaking of the whole Stacey Marie and, and Audi Cornish thing of like really championing your achievements we should do that a lot more often everybody listening every woman listening should do it more often we should do a thing together right now every woman who is listening on the count of three like just throw your head back and shout something amazing about yourself I'm gonna do it too you should do it as well Kevin you look Uh, very panicked (laughs) 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 alright we're gonna do it we ready also Eleanor you too Paul you can play if you want to but it's not for you but you can play alright one two three I look really great in my (laughs) flight. I didn't realize.
actually yelling at it? Now you have to shout it. <laughs> I look great. Ah, that was beautiful. All right, now we feel better now. <laughs> I feel weird. <laughs> I am very proud of us, though. I am too. We're not the most amazing interviewers, but right. we're like almost there. <laughs> we're getting close. We're we learning very in public, hard. and that's hard. That shit is hard. But I'm like fear proud of, of us looking for like growing. I don't know what I'm doing in public, right. which is why I'm so scared of like going new places by myself. This is getting into a whole other part <laughs> yes. of me and my psyche. Anyway, you are right. So shout out to us for growing in public, Ooh. and shout out to you. I hope you yelled something. I hope you did too. <laughs> I didn't, but you know, <laughs> right? Yell it, do it, and yeah, drink some water. Yell, yeah. Perhaps consider a vitamin supplement. Okay. A multivitamin, maybe? I don't know. Sure. Some Could legumes. Be <laughs> Calcium is important. Get them bones together. And thanks for listening, y'all. Bye. Let's get to it. Let's get going. <laughs> Let's what... get going. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling pooped. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, we can start. <laughs>